on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We've got everything you need to know about OU's scrimmage over the weekend. The Iowa State situation keeps getting worse. The ACC doesn't want Cal and Stanford, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, August 13th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of August, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this early Sunday afternoon. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, season's coming up. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, right? A a lot of people like watching the podcast, Ted. And I don't know, that's some people's thing. So I'm I'm supposed to remind people, right? Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Also, and aren't you supposed to like hit the notifications bell and all of those things? Yeah, and, and then subscribe on whatever you listen to the podcast on and like it and leave us nice comments and stuff. We don't do nearly a good enough <laughs> job of asking people to do that. Well, hey, you know what? That means the growth is organic, Gabe. It's true. That's true. Uh, speaking of organic growth, before we, I, I know everyone's here to to hear about the scrimmage. We're going to get to that, but we do have some potty training updates. Okay, good. First and foremost, I would say overall it's going about as expected, right? Some good, some bad, right? Okay. So turns out he, he has no problem getting on the potty. He's not scared of it or anything like that. Just gets a little nervous once he's on it. It's a little nervous. I have learned quickly that for whatever reason, watching OU football highlights seems to help him relax on there. All right. Our, uh, our biggest in the potty in the big boy potty as i call it was a product of the 2012 ou texas highlights nice which i mean there was a I, yeah it's a good game so I, I maybe he understood and i was like hey you know that that's dad dad and he got a little relaxed and just let it flow but and this is something that a lot of men can relate to yesterday it happened the poop in the pants and dude, it was the funniest thing. He goes, 
he gives me this look like sheer terror on his face. And I look at him and he looks at me, he goes, Dada, I thought it was a toot. <laughs> and yes. I know I'm supposed to go get him and like put him on the potty and tell it's all okay, buddy. You know, accidents happen. I just, dude, I could not stop laughing. The way that he said it, the look on his face, I was dying, man. And yeah, he pooped in his pants. It was hilarious. But the, I thought it was a toot was, That's I mean, tremendous. it was priceless. So priceless. I was going to say, if he has uh, trouble with uh, number two on the potty, put up like last year's OU Texas game. That'll help with the number two. Just sheer terror. Yeah. Just no, oh. <laughs> watch this, son. <laughs> get you out of there in a hurry. Yeah. Okay. That's that's enough potty trading updates. Let's let's talk about training camp for the Sooners now, Ted. I I just got to assume some people cried watching that video you and Rocky Kalmus put <laughs> out together on OU football's Twitter at practice together. That was, I think that was very very special for a lot of people. It was cool. It was fun. Uh, yeah, Rock was out at practice watching his boy. Uh, he was in town for I think the weekend, a couple of practices. I think he was out there for the scrimmage too. Um, what a stud! Tremendous football player. It's cool that his boy's on the team. And uh, just really good to see him out there. Yeah. People are like, wait, they're not the same person. <laughs> they're actually two different people. Uh, it's so good. It's it, it was cool to see. And, uh, you know, maybe we can get Rocky on here and get some of his thoughts before we kick this thing off here in a couple of weeks. But let's talk about the scrimmage. It was a long one. A ton of plays. Tremendous work, right, for both sides of the ball. Uh, no injuries, which is what you're looking for. So, ton of plays, very competitive, no injuries. That's about all you can ask for, right? Yep. Nope, that's good. That's good. Getting some good work in. Um, man, some young guys I, still factoring in, still playing really well. When I was out of practice uh, last you know, there's there's plenty of young guys out there. Now, I don't know that there's going to be a bunch of young starters, but you know, and to sometimes the scrimmage is, is the uh, the real dividing point. But there's some guys that look pretty good for early training camp. Yeah, and you start thinking about the future in the SEC, and I, I think the staff, I, I think the staff is going to start working some more young guys in. Like you said, not. May not be in starting roles, but whether it's special teams or certain situations on offense or defense where guys, you know, they, they, they've got some strengths that make some sense in some situational football right now, even though they might not have the overall level of knowledge you want on the offense with the offense or with the defense. Like I, I think the staff is, I think that's something they really looked at hard in the offseason. And a lot of these guys, right? They're their guys. Now, not to say the other guys aren't. Right, but they recruited them, they brought them in, and you you got to bring those guys along. Now you got to do it intelligently, right? You you don't want to put your football team in bad spots or anything like that. But I think that's something that's it, it feels like it's going to be a bigger point of emphasis this year. Yep. No, I and they did some of that last year. Remember when they would run the whole second team offense out and give uh, a couple of plays, convert a first, and then switch back out. I don't know that they're going to do that again, but to see some good young guys start to work in. And you know this, um, 
it's just it's a different preparation mentality whenever you know that you're going to go in the game even if it's for one or two snaps it's just different the way that you approach a game week and how you prepare and how you how you rest and how you approach game day so the more guys that you can have that feel like they're honestly involved the better no doubt about it all right so looking at the scrimmage i feel like one of the big offseason questions was will Jeff Lebby will they will they operate the exact same way they did a year ago offensively? Meaning, will it just be fast, 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 fast all the time? Well, and this was the way it was when we were out of practice. Uh, they're certainly they're still going to go fast, but the thing that I like seeing is it appears they are going to want to change speeds, right? And that's that's something they did in the scrimmage, right? You have to have that ability to go up tempo, right? But they also got in a huddle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what, what, what what's happening here? So, and, you know, and you can they they can score in three plays, right? They did it the other day, but also working on huddling, playing at a more methodical pace. And I really believe that's what great offenses can do. You can change speeds, you can dictate the tempo of the game. And really, no matter what situation arises in a game, right? If you've got to go fast in two minutes, then it feels fine. It doesn't feel foreign. If you want to get in four-minute offense, bleed some clock, right? Then you can do it. But the only way you get better on it is working at it. And it's clear to me they're working at it. Well, you can you can honestly serve the same purpose huddling as you can getting to the line of scrimmage and snapping the football really quick. Right, what the pressure, you know, it, it conditioning wise, it puts the pressure on the defense, but also it's difficult to get lined up to get the call and play. You do the same thing from the huddle, right? Whenever you huddle up, the defense is so used to, to see what you're in and calling it really quickly and trying to get lined up. Like they don't want to send the play in yet until they see you line up. But if you break the huddle and snap it, it serves the exact same purpose. Right. Yeah. And this is a conversation we had with, didn't we talk about, we talked to Ryan Walters about that at the bowl game. Remember, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's now the head coach of Purdue, but he was talking about how until like, he doesn't send anything in until the offense shows them what, like what they're lined up in. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you are able to get in the huddle, get to the line fast, snap it quickly, communicate everything quickly, which is not easy, but if you can do that, you're right, man. That's extremely challenging on a defense. Yeah, because, you know, as that clock's ticking down, you know, they're they're at a they, – at some point they have to make a decision. Are we going to call this or are we going to wait to see what they're in to call it? And the longer you wait in the huddle to break the huddle, the more pressure you put on them. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like for this offense during the season. But, okay, some offensive highlights, standouts of the scrimmage. Andrell Anthony is fast. He and We've talked about him being a vertical threat for this football team. And the fact he's got to be a guy that stretches the field for this team. He had two 40-plus yard touchdowns in the scrimmage. Woo! That'll do. 
Yep. That is, that's what you're looking for. Now, if you're saying, well, we don't want our defense giving up that stuff. Listen, just be happy. <laughs> you, you, if the offense is making plays, that means the defense is giving up plays. If the defense is making plays, that means the offense isn't executing the way you want. It's just, that's football, man. But yeah, Andrew Anthony, healthy. Wheels are looking good, man. This is, it's a positive sign when it comes to him stretching the field in the fall. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I, it was a weapon for us last year, but I think we all agree it could have been much more uh, dangerous and a bigger part of what we did. Um, some of that was on the wideout. Some of that was on the quarterback. Some of it was on the offensive line. I think everyone had their hand in it. But if we can become more efficient with the deep stuff, it's going to serve us great. Well, and just think about the confidence that gives Dylan Gabriel, right? It, it's one thing, hey – you know, this this is the concept. If I get this look, I'm throwing the go ball. But to actually connect on them in a scrimmage setting, and just the the confidence that that builds for him and how he can carry that confidence right into the season, that, that that's the type of stuff you're looking for, right? That's yep. the type of stuff that Dylan Gabriel and this offense as a whole, like you have to be able to get those big chunk plays and knowing that, You've got one of those guys, right? That's, I, I feel like that just, that can really shift your mentality when it comes to what, what, how explosive you can be as an offense. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, and defensively, like you hit one of those early in a game def on a defense, it changes the way that they call things. They have to be worried about the deep ball. They have to keep guys back to protect against the quick shot, the deep shot. You know, it's not what we want to do, but at least we can keep everything in front of us and force you to snap it again. And it opens things up in the running game and the underneath passing game. So it's just teams that throw the ball deep really well usually have outstanding offense in all categories. Yeah. If you can stretch the field, then usually that's going to that's going to open pretty much everything else up yep. if your offensive line is playing at a high level. So looking at other receivers – that did some good things in the scrimmage. I feel like we haven't talked about Drake Stoops much since camp started. Mm -hmm. He's he's going to be your starter in the slot. He's still Mr. Consistency. He's still blocking, you know, as, as hard as he can in the run game and on the perimeter screen game and everything. Like, he's still doing everything we've seen him do for, it feels like, the last 15 years. But, you know, had a touchdown in the scrimmage, right? Yep. Continues to be a very crisp route runner and i i i i'd like to believe and i know gavin freeman's getting a ton of hype and he deserves it because he's made some really dynamic plays throughout camp but i'm hoping drake it feels like this is the season drake gets rewarded for everything or at least that's my yep. hope you know from yep. a production standpoint and a touches standpoint yeah i yeah i'm curious honestly to see how that works out you know, I, I know they play the same position, but, you know, there's there's ways to get more guys involved and, and to have them both on the field. I don't know if they'll do that or not, but there's going to be plenty of snaps for both guys to get uh, all the run they need. And, um, you know, he's – what else can you say? He's a guy that is – I mean, his, his third down catches, like third and medium stuff, has just been huge for Oklahoma over the, the last several years. And – 
I imagine he continues to to be a big role in that. And, you know, last year they schemed him on quite a few things from that slot position. We didn't take advantage of all of them, but still had some big plays from that. I think that's going to continue to be something big. Yeah. And, and, you know, Gavin Freeman's going to get his touches. A lot of people saw the hurdle, right, that they put out on social media. One of the practices I was at, he took a speed sweep, stopped on a dime, like cut all the way back across the entire defense. Looked like he went through the entire group for about a 50-yard run, just making all kinds of guys miss. Like, he looks he looks extremely dynamic. Like, he he clearly had an awesome offseason from a strength and conditioning standpoint. And then, and then you've got Farouk, right? Who, although, you know, a bit of a quiet scrimmage on Saturday, still is a guy that, you and I, we're, we're expecting big things from one guy that, that did have a nice day on Saturday is Nick Anderson right now, mostly against at, as part of the twos offense. Right. But you now had three touchdowns in the scrimmage. I mean, he's clearly very talented, but also there's the health component for him. And then they're searching for more consistency with him. Right. Had a lot of nice plays, big plays right down in the red zone, but also just some drop balls and you just, that's where for him, it's about, it's about finding that level of consistency. Well, it's probably about staying on the field, right? That's number one mm-hmm. for him, but you got to get some of that inconsistency. You you just got to get rid of it. Right. Yep. So they're, they're really excited about his potential and what he can be. And he looks really good athletically good. right now. Really good, man. Yep. I, and it's a good problem to have when you have a wide receiver that's like 6'4", you know, 220 pounds, catches three touchdowns in the scrimmages on the second unit. You know, um, consistency is going to come. It's, you know, it's going to come with confidence and as he continues to make plays and they get deeper and deeper into training camp. Um, I, I don't know what the rotation is going to look like between starters and second unit, but I think we're going to see a lot of Nick Anderson. Yeah, I'd be surprised if we don't. Now, running back-wise, you know, sticking with the offense here, uh, Javante Barnes, still, I I think I still think he's shaking a little of the rust off just from kind of what I've seen, but had a really nice long run in, in the scrimmage. Tawi Walker continues to show up. And as you look at the running back group, you, you look at Barnes, you, you look at Sawchuck, those are going to, I think those are going to be your two main guys you and I both really like Caleb Hicks. Mm-hmm. And I think that guy's got an extremely bright future in Norman. But Tawi Walker's been so consistent. I just, I'm having a hard time figuring out like what his role is going to be. You know, is he just going to be the short yardage goal line type of guy because of his build? But it just, I don't know. They really like him. And he seems to be arguably the most consistent performer back there. He's, yeah. he's definitely not the most talented, right? But, there's something to be said about that consistency. Well, I know DeMarco Murray loves him. He talks about him all the time. If yeah. you know, if you walk around a practice, go over and say what's up to DeMarco and ask how the guys are looking, he's always one that he mentions. And um, I've said it a million times. He's the guy I would least like to see in the backfield as a linebacker, and that means something. So whether it's a, a closer role, second half, or short yardage goal line, they're going to find a way to get him on the field, I imagine. But, you know, the the starting rotation, I guess, like, not starting rotation, but the guys that I've seen go with the ones right now is is still Javante Barnes, 
Sawchuck and Marcus Major. Those are the yeah. three guys that uh, you see the three. most. Sometimes I forget about Major. I don't, and you know how much I love him. Yeah. You know how much I love him. It's just and one of those things. Good. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, and he looks great physically. Yeah. Right now, it's just one of those things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to see the guy stay on the field. You yep. know, it just he hadn't been able to do it. Yep. No, I agree, but they've got such good quality depth at running back right now. I yeah. mean, we can get five guys down the roster and still feel really good about if that guy had to take all of the snaps at running back, at least from a from an outside view looking in. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of mistakes there. There's um, you know, there's pass protection issues and all of that has to continue to get better, but we're deep at running back and going to continue to get deeper. Yeah. Which is good. All right, offensive line-wise, what's the best way to put this? Got off to a bit of a slow start. Corrected some things. Uh, got some got some um, encouragement. And started playing some better ball throughout the scrimmage. Now, one thing, when you talk about situational football, there's a winner or a loser when it comes to third and short situations and scrimmages. That's That's how it is. And Ted, it pains me to tell you the defensive line pretty much won every third and short situation. Ones, twos, especially the twos. The second defensive line just getting after the second offensive line. Pretty good. Um, which is good. It gets you excited about the depth of the D-line. But then it also it makes you, I don't, I don't want to say nervous, but just it makes you look at the depth of the offensive line and go, okay, Man, I, can we afford any of these starters to go down, right? Because I do think from what I've seen over these last couple of weeks, there's a there's a pretty significant drop-off between that first group and that second group. Now, I'm not saying the second group of guys, a lot of young players in that second group, right? That And offensive line is the ultimate development position in college, but... I said it last episode, they need Sexton back. Yeah, They need him back in a big way, right? I'll feel much better about where the depth is at, knowing that he can come in if something happens to either either tackle. So I I am – made me sad they lost all those third and shorts. Yeah. Well, the the defensive line rotation is really deep. I yeah, mean, you got I, like fifth year, sixth year guys going against second yeah. year players and true uh, true freshmen. You know, yeah, you got. I mean, when you're talking about just the it, two interior positions, they honestly go like three deep, like six guys that are give you really solid play. Um, I you know we don't have any superstars as of right now out of out of that group, but they stay. They stay almost the same all the way through six deep. You know, there's not a whole lot of fall off, which is is really good. And offensive line, I mean, it's tough whenever you're talking about ten guys and you're too deep. And you know, and I guess that's it's it's fairly common, I guess, in college for offensive line to have some pretty big drop off outside of maybe one or two guys that can be real versatile and play guard or or tackle for you that can fill a bunch of roles and that may be the the kind of the guy they're missing right now, the utility offensive lineman with experience. Yeah. And that's right. That's you look at that second O line. It's certainly, it's not where you want it to be. 
but and that's a big reason Jackson Jackson Arnold was under a lot of pressure during the scrimmage, mm-hmm. right? Wasn't quite like wasn't like the spring game, okay? But still, he was under more pressure than he needs to be. Trace Ford, why's that guy going against the twos? He's just terrorizing them. He's a menace against that second O line, just ruining their days and ruining their confidence, which he's is good. Got- I, he's going to be a situational guy for this team, right? Yeah. With just he he's got some explosiveness, man. He does. He's he's got some real snap whenever he comes out and change of direction is explosive and he's he's got a good build. He's strong too. He's he's put together to rush the passer. Um yeah, I I'm still waiting on a little bit more for him to like yeah. flip the switch and turn it on. It almost feels like he's floating a little bit. You know, I I, I don't I don't know, but maybe he's still trying to fit in a little bit. I don't know. It's different he's, to transfer in and miss. He missed a big chunk of the spring. And remember, man, he's been, he's been cut on a lot. Yeah. So it's one of those. Now are you, well, it was a couple of years back when he had that really big season for Oklahoma state. I, will he get back to that? I, I don't know, but you definitely see flashes of it. You see flashes of it. There's, there's no doubt about that. Also, Starting to see some flashes from PJ, which is gets me real excited. If he if he's not a rotational piece, you know, in some of these third down situations or obvious passing situations, that will be that will be surprising to me, even with how deep they are at edge. A guy that talented, even though he's still he's still raw. I understand that. But I just want to see it. Maybe I'm just being selfish, but I just want to see it. Like he's he's got tools physically that no one else on this team has. He just that's just the truth. So I am uh I'm he interested out like to a see. sore thumb whenever they're standing around. Oh my gosh. It is you you walk out though, you practice it, you go, who the hell is 34? <laughs> like that's that's immediately what you do. If he puts another 15 pounds on Sheesh. Which he will. It's he, it's gonna be crazy. But no, he's I think he's you know just swimming a little bit with all the stuff, with all the movement, with all the stem. Like, where's the blitz coming from? Am I am I a rip guy? Do I stay inside? Do I have the back if he's on my like there's a lot for him right now? When they get into game week, it's gonna narrow a little bit for what they have to do week by week. And if he could just line up on the outside and know what he's got before the snap and not and just be able to fly and go get the quarterback, I think he'll he'll have some production. Say, hey, it's third and seven. You see that tackle across from you? Long arm him into the quarterback. There we go. Let's that they will they will put some simple stuff on his plate like that. I or I would be shocked if they didn't. Just they with will. With some of the flashes he's shown throughout camp, yep. I mean, there's some where he's long arming and like the tackle. The tackle's doing the looks like a yeah. little kid, just can't even touch him. He, he's I, he he's barely bending at the waist when he gets in his three point stance. <laughs> it's like it's awesome. It's, it is. It's incredible. Uh, some incredible. defensive highlights from the scrimmage. Uh, Jaron Canick really flashed. Right. 
And, and Stutzman, Stutzman did some really good things too. Uh, third, third down stops for Danny. But Ted, you you've been out there a lot, right? You you've seen these guys. Kind of how are you feeling? How are you feeling about those inside backers right now? Yeah, I I think Canick is. He's at the part now where he's he's really getting the drill work down. Like whenever you see him in the drills, like if you go back to spring uh, and even last year, you see him in the drills and he's just, he's out of control. He, he doesn't really know how to use his hands properly. Um, but now when you see him going through the drills, he's starting to get to where you look at him and say, okay, that is how he's supposed to move. We know how athletic he is. That's how you're supposed to move. And now the next part is taking that drill work onto the field. Because, again, we know the athleticism is there. But if you're slow, the, the, the mind process is behind. You don't get to unleash it. But he's getting there every now and then. Whenever the situation is right, he knows what he's doing. And he can just kind of rely on his instincts. He looks fantastic. So that's going to be the push and pull for him this year. Same as Stutzman, go back a year ago to last year. A uh, different player, the back half of the season than he was the first half. I expect that from Canick. I think he's think he's right on track to to being really good. Um, you know, Stutzman is 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 what you expect. He's he's the most consistent backer they have right now. Um, he's he's been better, I think, getting guys lined up and taking a, a vocal role out there on the field. Not a raw raw guy on the sideline. I'm talking about. Uh, getting people lined up, communicated. He's also do. he he's not afraid to get into somebody now. Oh yeah, he'll he'll Which, definitely strike you. No, well, not even that. I'm talking like guys on oh, the defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he he's a guy that you know he he's one of the most likable guys on the team. There's no doubt about. It. I mean, everyone's at this point seen his personality, but I think he's to the point where he's comfortable enough. And to, to make it a little uncomfortable when you got to make it a little uncomfortable. We call that the layman method. <laughs> well, you got to be right, though. Yeah. You don't have to be right every time, but you just have to be right the overwhelming majority of the time. But you, you can't be getting into people all the time and, and then screwing up the next rep, right? right? Or be wrong about pointing where to get people to go, what, what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, you have to be right almost across the board and from what i've seen i think he's getting there and you know size wise he's he looks really good he's running really well you go back a year ago right the the kansas state game the tcu game he looked like he was really dragging and i think it was there was a toll on him mentally i think there was a toll on him physically whenever you combine all of those things he looks way better out there right now yeah and so does so does kobe mckenzie right not not yeah. to you know, have him get lost in this conversation. It's just him and Canick, they're such different players. Yes. Like it Canick, you oh, watch right. like the suddenness, the decisiveness. But when, when you think about, I don't want to call it a weakness, but maybe the biggest question is like, hey, will he be able to strike offensive guards that are working up to the second level and get off blocks in that way? And then McKenzie, you may not see the the twitch, like the suddenness, maybe even a little less decisiveness, but there's, there are no questions about the striking ability. 
I'm telling you, there is he is the hardest hitter on the team that I've seen, and it ain't close. I mean, whenever he – it doesn't even look like he lines someone up all the way, but you see it like – he like folds people's face mask all the way down into their, their chest, and it's crazy, man. He's got some punch. Yeah. And, you know, I think that – I think he's really good rushing the passer because of how heavy-handed he is on some of those blitzes and stuff whenever – you know, a guard's like picking him up on a blitz. Like uh, he can be really physical with those guys, like no one else on the in the backer room can. So I think I think he offers a lot of upside. Um, you know, I also say that Connor Near is coming on too. I you can see in real time, practice by practice, him picking up the defense because he's ahead of these guys experience wise. And as he gets the language of the defense and understanding his role, you can see him getting better and better. So, I I don't know I don't know what the end result is going to be at the Mike Backer position, but there's some really good competition going on. There's I think there's three really good candidates for that spot. Yeah, competition's good, man. Mm-hmm. It's good, and it is. I I think that's a competition that's going to continue throughout the season. And especially when you get like a scrimmage like this where you get a bunch of live snaps, it's the best way to honestly really compare where each guy is. Right. Like when you're rotating an inside drill where you can watch each other, I mean, it's not an honest look. We know runs coming. we got a pretty good idea of what we're about to see. When you go live and you've got a coordinated drive as a Mike backer, it's a much better picture. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, a couple more things from the scrimmage. On defense, Grayson Halton had a pick six. How about that? Nice. There's nothing better than a than a defensive tackle scored a touchdown. I mean, come on, pick six. Let's go. Uh, yeah, and here's the question though. You know, he's one of the smaller D linemen. Is it a thick six with him? Yeah, yeah. Thick-ish he's he's added some weight. He's okay. added a little weight now. Uh, he's got to He's got to continue to improve. He's got to continue to make plays. Right to be to be a guy a that's a can, yeah. He's got a good mode, but he's. He's still he's still got that goofy personality. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, he's one of those guys like, hey, are you going to be a real piece of the rotation this season or not? And yeah. that's where, you know, these next couple of weeks are important for him. Yeah. Because they they're feeling really good. I'll I'll say this. I know we've expressed a lot of excitement about Dejon Terry and you know Laulu kicking inside. I, I still think Jordan Kelly's their best interior guy. But he just, I feel like I know, and he's better this year. He looks stronger. He's got the most experience out of all of them, too. He's played it a lot feels of football. like he's been here for forever. But the thing about him is, man, I just, I know he is going to take two hands and put it in an offensive lineman's chest. The technique's going to be good. He's going to fight like hell. He's not the biggest guy in the world. But there's just something to be said about that consistency. Snap after snap. After snap, I I know exactly what I'm going to get from that guy. Now, is he going to be a first rounder? No, right? I no, but he's just he's consistent. He's a good leader. Like I just I don't want him to get lost in these conversations that we're having about the D line because he's the most consistent interior guy they've got, and it's it's probably going to be that way throughout the season. Doesn't have the highest ceiling, but hey, let's. Let's just acknowledge him for what he is. And that's a that's a really good college football player. Yep. 
and that's what that's honestly that's kind of what they need. They've got other guys that are are going to have probably some flash moments, but you need the rock solid guy that's going to be there doing the right thing um, with good physicality and toughness and strength uh, down in down out. I'm just right now how how it sits. I'm thrilled with the interior defensive line rotation. Yeah, again, no superstars, but. I think it's just really solid, and I think it's going to continue to get better and better. Like, Lu'ulu is still – doesn't have a whole lot of experience on on the interior. I think he's going to be a different player the back half of the season than he is the first half, and he, I think he's already flashing some really good stuff. And you know, even the youngsters, they really like Ashton Sanders and, and Grayson Holton, so just it's good to have some quality depth. Last thing on the scrimmage, and I – I ultimately think it's a good thing. Some miscommunication in the back end of the defense, uh, especially with some of the safeties. Uh, now, clearly, that, that's that got to get ironed out. That can't happen, right? But this is a group. They've been hearing about how good they are, right? And we've talked a lot about the depth and talent at safety and now, how we think the defensive backs should be the strength of the defense and all this stuff. So my hope is that, you know, a couple of guys, a couple of guys that I think are going to be starters didn't, from what I could tell, didn't exactly have the best performance on Saturday. Maybe makes them go, okay, you know, let's refocus. We've done nothing. Yeah. Right. I, Ultimately, I think you know some of the things that that went wrong on Saturday will will make them better if that makes sense, right? Yeah. There's there's nothing more humbling than giving up big plays, man. Nothing, no doubt for no a doubt. secondary. So yeah. I I think ultimately frustrating, no doubt, but a thing that's going to make that group as a whole go, hey, no, we got to we we can't do this again. Yeah, and I wasn't there, so. It's, it's hard to comment, but I was at practice on Friday. And at practice on Friday, it looked as if maybe they had just installed something because there was a lot of alignment issues and like who's deep issues. And it looked like they were working through that Friday, like because that, that looked like a common thing on Friday, too. Um, a lot of guys standing there kind of looking at each other like, was that you? Was that me? Coach is screaming in the background. So I'm sure some of that has, has carried over a little bit off of a new install. But, you know, luckily you got some time to get it right. I'm still really confident in that group. But I do think uh, an eye-opener in a scrimmage is perhaps a good thing. There is – when you talk about training camp, right – now, it's a whole different animal during the season. There is no worse feeling than sitting and watching that scrimmage as an entire offense or defense and watching something that you messed up. Get oh. real uncomfortable real quick. Get oh. the sweats. Oh, and you, and you know, know it's coming. coming. <laughs> you know it's coming like you're wet. It, it haunts you until you watch it, and then you feel even worse. You're just like, oh, no, it's coming. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it's you always bad, get... but here's the funny thing is 
you know, there's a hundred guys, or I guess, you know, 50 guys in that room that are all feeling the same thing about themselves. Like they don't yeah. care about your stupid play, right? Okay. You look like an idiot, whatever. It's this play that I have coming up. That's so bad. Oh. <laughs> so there's some guys in that secondary going, Oh God. Oh God. If you could just like read like the mind bubbles of everyone in that room, you know, at the same time. Oh, oh. all right. Sooners filled the rest of the 2024 schedule. Let's touch on it real quick. Uh, now, Joe Castiglione, when, when all the SEC stuff happened, he made it clear that the options were going to be limited, but they were going to be able to get something done, and they have. Houston is going to come to Norman in week two next season. Uh, they filled the other spot with Maine, which I actually played with a guy from Maine really? in Detroit and Buffalo. Same guy, Matthew Mulligan. I'm going to... I sent him a text. I go, it's on, brother. <laughs> so I'm pretty fired up about that one. But I, the Houston game, that seems fun. And yeah. when, when they make the return game, there's a lot of OU fans in Houston that are 27 or 29. 28. One of those, yeah. Yeah, so who cares? We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But uh, the, the date for the main game is to be determined. Uh, a lot of people are wondering if that is going to be November, what what would we call it? SEC Cupcake Weekend in yeah. November? We'll see. We'll a see where that ends disguise. up. Yeah, we'll see where that ends up. Uh, that ends up falling. But so now we know what the opponents look like for 2024, right? Temple, Houston, Tulane, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Maine at home. Sooner's going to be the home team against Texas in Dallas. That is seven home games in Norman, which I think, I think I read what's like the seventh time ever yeah. in school history. Big Get your time. tickets now, people. <laughs> a lot of, a yeah. lot of games in Norman. And that's good. I mean, that's good. And certainly some of those are going to be prime time games, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's, it's just, it's ramping up to be an awesome schedule. And I, I saw some people like we couldn't do better than Houston or Maine. No. We couldn't do better than Houston or Maine. There was nobody left as late as this thing is. And, um, you know, with a lot of moving parts out there right now, it's hard to find games. And I think to – it was – Houston was literally the only Power Five that had an opening, right? And they weren't sure that they were going to be able to find something to work. That's why Josie petitioned the SEC for perhaps – a. Um, you know, a pass on that. You you must play a power five because they're you know, if they couldn't get it done with Houston, everyone else was booked. So no, there were not any other options. And you got fantastic home games. You've got the best road schedule we've ever had that I can remember. It's there's if you're complaining about next year's schedule, you just you have nothing else to do. Right. I'm fired up for 2023, but you just look at 2024 on paper and you're just like, give it to me. I know. Give it to me now. It's going to be so sweet. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, but it's going to be, it's going to be so much fun. So much new next season for Oklahoma. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys the most important thing that happened this weekend. Got a lot of responses about, you know, an injury free scrimmage, but I like this one from Brandon Ulrich. He said, landing in-state start Jaden Nickens 
Emmett Jones is stacking the wide receiver room, and OU continues to crush Oklahoma Preps recruiting. Ted, four-star Millwood wide receiver Jaden Nickens, 6'3", 180 pounds. I saw him at the West Welker, uh, uh, West Welker Foundation 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. It's a good-looking wide receiver. Made a lot of plays. Chooses OU over A&M and Oklahoma State. Gosh, we love when they land at Oklahoma, guys. It just, it brings a smile to my face, man. Yeah, and I'm I'm drawing a blank right now on his name, but the other 25, one of the other 25 commits, the kid from Shakota, he looks really good. Yeah. Um, I think Emmett Jones may already be done with his 25 recruiting class. Doesn't he have three guys? Can you ever can you ever have too many wide receivers? You know. Well, in my opinion, yes, but oh, oh, wow. Yeah. And an offensive coach's mind, probably no. Elijah Thomas from Shakota. Stud. There's like four or five top 100 kids in Oklahoma next season. Yeah, you got the Kevin, Kevin Sperry kid, right? Now, moved in, going to hey, be, be playing I'll at Carl I'll tell Albert. you right now, if Kevin Sperry is not a five-star quarterback when it's all said and done, they need to wad up the system, light it on fire, bury it forever, and start fresh. Only thing holding him back. Not the tallest dude in the world, right? That's it. That's the only thing holding him back. The skill set is, and maybe we're being, maybe we're seeing it through crimson and cream colored glasses, but the guy, the guy looks like he's got some tools. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'll say this. I am, I want OU to get more players from Oklahoma City. Right. As a guy from Oklahoma City that got to live out a lifelong dream and going and playing there, they need to get the best players from Oklahoma City and Tulsa way more often. Right. And the good thing about Brent Venables and this staff, I feel like that has become a very big emphasis. You can't let the guys, the best athletes, out of OKC and Tulsa, get out of the state, man. You just can't. Now, you're not going to get all of them, right? That's unrealistic. But you need to get more of them. You need to get a lot of them because those guys understand, and I know there's a lot of things that matter in recruiting other than, you know, school pride now. Like, there's a lot more factors now than when I was, than when we were getting recruited. But, those guys understand what Oklahoma football means here. So I am I was I was fired up to see this and I hope to see more of it. Yeah. And one last point. Because of the transfer portal, a lot less likely to transfer out. Yeah. You know, when guys go somewhere all the way across the country and it's not working out, more likely to transfer closer to home, you know? And yeah. I think that's a factor too, but you can already tell the the massive turnaround that we've we've had in state. Like the amount of guys that they're getting, whether it's preferred walk-ons or offers, you know, I think they're they either have already, but or it sounds like people are rumoring that they're going to flip the the Roberts kid out of Washington, the Notre Dame commit. Um, you know, it's good things are happening in state, and I'm with you. I think it's massively important. Oh. I'll say this to the young uh, young gentleman from Washington. As a tight end that was also seriously considering Notre Dame, 
You're never going to regret going to Oklahoma. You're never going to. I'm just telling you. You, you, you. If you go to Notre Dame and you don't go to Oklahoma, you're, there may be point, points where you're a 30-something-year-old man going, man, what if I would have lived out that dream? I'm just saying. I'll let there the young man make his choice. But there you go. there's never been – I have I ever thought about what life would be like if I would have gone to Notre Dame? Sure. But there's not there has not been one moment in my entire life where I went, I regret going and playing, like living out my childhood dream. Never said it, never will. There you go. Just saying. Hey, you got to learn from others' experience right there. Now, don't let them move you to offensive line, son. Don't do that. Don't do that. See, I've seen the highlights of that kid. He, I think he's a little bit better athlete than I was. So we, uh, we'll see how that goes, though. But yeah, I've heard, uh, heard similar things, Ted. Well, yeah, let's see where that goes. But yeah, in state, critical, critical. Yeah. All right, birthday shoutouts. Welcome to the world, Bladen Brooks McClary. Happy first birthday to Cole Forrest Stanley. Happy fourth birthday to Bonner Heinzelman. Happy 13th birthday to Will Insminger. Happy 20th birthday to Jacob Harrison. Happy 25th birthday to Matthew Jennings. Happy 28th birthday to Nick Hines. Happy 35th birthday to Kyle Snodgrass. And happy birthday to John Laswell. All right, things are things are getting even worse for Iowa State. Oh boy. We'll talk about it. But first. Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamori. Opelous Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, National College Football Roundup. Boy, things are getting weirder and weirder in the Iowa State and Iowa gambling scandal. Um, Not good. Uh, Start with Iowa State. We already knew Hunter Decker's their starting quarterback. He's been charged. He's not with the team. Well, now, starting running back Jirel Brock, starting tight end Deshaun Hanika, starting offensive lineman Jake Rimsburg, and starting defensive lineman Isaiah Lee have all been charged in this. And remember, these guys all made fake accounts. Or I guess 
accounts that don't have their real legal name on them, which you can't do that. Can't do that. This is heavy, heavily regulated stuff. You can't do that. So looking at each guy's transgressions, <laughs> Hanukkah bet on Iowa State basketball games, uh, Rimsburg bet on college football and basketball. Now he didn't bet on any games that involved Iowa State, or he didn't bet on any games he played in. Uh, but Jairo Brock did bet on four Iowa State football games. Don't know exactly what those bets were, but the real story here, Ted, is Isaiah Lee. He bet on 12 Iowa State football games, including betting the Texas money line in the 2021 Iowa State-Texas game. For those that don't gamble, that means he bet on the team he was playing on to lose. And now, is it slightly hilarious that Iowa State won that game 30-7? to seven? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. There, that, there, there is some humor in that. But there's, there's no coming back from that. Your career's over. Nobody. I wouldn't allow this guy to work in any business I was involved with. I wouldn't allow this guy. I wouldn't allow this guy to mow my lawn. I just it it, it forget football. I, I mean, football wise, nobody will allow you in a locker room ever again. You're done. What an unbelievably stupid thing to do. My God, and he lost the bet, <laughs> which <laughs> makes it even worse. Yeah, I mean, wow. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know why you would put yourself in that position over, and I don't know how much these bets were. I'm, it doesn't seem like any of them were massive. It, there was just seemed like there was a lot of them over time for some of these guys. I, you would put yourself at that, in that position. I, you just look at the Iowa situation. Right, where the kid bet the under and catches the touchdown that loses the under bet. Why he caught the touchdown? What okay, fine. But why even begin to put yourself in that dilemma? You know you're thinking about it. Right? I and I'm sure you've told yourself you'll do whatever you can. Doesn't matter. We're gonna win the game. But now everyone's going to go back and look at everything you've ever done. Was there a bet for it? Uh, even if it's not registered, was he betting someone else for it? I it's it's just a bad deal, and I wonder. I I don't know. I it, it's a it's a bad situation, and and part of me says you got to make examples of these guys if you ever want to keep it honestly out of the of the locker room and out of the game because it's so easy to do. Um, but there's another part of me that's like, like I can, I can put myself in their shoes a little bit to say that I, I just don't know that these guys ever really recognized the gravity of what they were doing. If that makes sense. I think I understand where you're coming from, but you and I both know, I mean, how many meetings did they have saying, Hey, you cannot bet a million. A million. 
So that's where uh, some people are saying, well, how could Matt Campbell lose control of his program like this? Kurt Ferentz, like, no. These guys are grown-ass men. Like, I'm, I'm shocked by people that have – that's such a weird take to me. Yeah, the, the uh, oh, this is this is gambling culture's fault. No, no, no. I am uh, I am the ultimate personal accountability person, and I know you're wired the same way. I like mean, he, he's got to have in order to blame him, he's got to one know that it's happening, and and two somehow be involved with looking the other way, or you know, in some cases and stuff like encouraging it. There, there's no chance Matt Campbell's like, hey guys, I know we're playing Texas, but check out that money line. It may be something you might want to bite on. It's juicy. Texas looks juicy. juicy. <laughs> right, what are people even, what are they thinking? There's no way any coach in college football would encourage or I in in any way condone what's gone on here. It's so weird to me that people have that take. It's stupid. Yeah. It is like you have to be a surface level idiot. I unless again, unless there's evidence that he knew about it and tried to cover it up. Which I would bet everything I owned that Matt Campbell had no idea. Just from my interactions that I've had with Matt Campbell over the years and I, I I am concerned about Iowa State's team this year. And it's not just like, yeah. obviously, what's that, five starters? Yeah. <laughs> They're down now. I don't, I don't see any path to any of these guys playing, right? Especially guys that bet on games they were playing in. I think those guys' college careers are probably done. I think I, Isaiah Lee, like, I, I think he is. I don't think we're ever going to see that dude on a football field again. Like, even if you're an XFL team or a USFL team, nope. Find the coach that, oh, you bet against your team. I, I just don't think there's any coming back from that. Like, and I believe in second chances, like, and all that stuff. But the amount of stupidity and selfishness that it takes to place a money line bet on the other team, I just could, I don't think I could ever get over that. <laughs> you know, he, and he's certainly not good enough. A, like good enough of a player to look past it. So I, I well, think he's toast. Yeah. And here's, here's another thing. And this may not exactly be fair, but I think it may be what happens. I'm fairly confident that this is something that happens across the entire country. And I don't know that it's in every locker room, but I bet it's in a vast majority of them to some small degree. Maybe it's your a walk-on fifth-string defensive tackle or maybe it's your starting quarterback. I don't know, but I have a strong feeling that this has occurred to some degree everywhere. And I don't think the NCAA wants to go there. So I think you take this example that's gone public and you bury it by really going hard on these guys. Maybe that's not, not the fair way to do it, but 
but I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, remember Iowa and Iowa State, they're they're at the center of this because that's the only states that that that's the only state that's doing this investigation. Yeah. If if you did a similar investigation in other states where mobile betting is legal, yeah, I don't I don't think the NCA would like what those investigations would uncover. Right. But and maybe it's unfortunate for these guys in the state of Iowa, but this is they are now leading the PowerPoint in the compliance meeting and training camp, right? Yeah. Saying, guys, if you've been doing this, you need to stop. And I bet you there are some guys that are sweating bad. Yeah. Because they've been doing exactly what these guys had made an account under a name that's not theirs. They've been placing bets. Some have probably bet on games that their team was playing in. And that, I, I guarantee you there are a lot of guys out there that are freaking out, hoping that an investigation like this doesn't take place in the state they're playing football in. They yeah. better stop, though. It, I mean, if you don't stop after seeing all this, I don't know. Maybe you do need to call one of those help numbers, you know, because, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Or call an old school bookie that doesn't have your dad. Yeah, out or, ju- or just go to the fraternities, <laughs> you know, like everyone used to. What, what are we even talking about? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Now, you mentioned uh, the guy from Iowa, Arlen Bruce, the fourth. So Oklahoma State's affected this, by this, right? Because he transferred in from Iowa. And I, I think he was going to be a rotational piece for them at wide receiver. Uh, Mike Gundy the other day came out and said he's no longer participating in team activities with the Pokes because of the charges brought against him in this whole thing. Uh, I guess he allegedly bet on 11 games he played in, <laughs> including throwing down on two unders, which is just so funny. Uh, you you talked about a, the Northwestern that's game not last a year. slamming indictment on the uh, the offensive situation at Iowa. I don't know what is. Oh I my mean, gosh! This is it's not a good situation. But like everyone across the country looked at that and said, "Smart kid." Yeah, solid bet, <laughs> Arlen. Nice, but once again, bet on games he was playing in. I it it seems extremely unlikely that. We'll see him play in college football. Now, I do think there's a good lesson to be learned here. First of all, don't be an idiot, right? You're told you can't do something. Don't do it, right? That That's an easy lesson to be learned here. But it's also really hard to bet on college football, even if you're playing in the game. Right. Even if you've been in the meetings all week, you have the most intimate knowledge of what's going on. These guys were playing in the games that they bet on. And I'm guessing for, for a lot of them still couldn't get it right. right. So we all have that buddy that he said, oh, I've got a system. I've got a system. No, you don't, man. It's really, really hard to bet on college football. Guys that were playing in the games couldn't even get it right. So I'm just saying that is a that is a good lesson to take away from this whole thing. Right. Yeah. Even I, without without like being the play caller it's almost like i don't know it it's it's difficult like the play caller or a quarterback outright su- sabotaging the team is about the only way you could do it and pull it off but it's yeah. yeah it's 
you're right. If if guys on the inside with the intimate knowledge still aren't getting it right at a at a high percentage, then what's everyone else doing? But yeah. having fun and you know trying to be a little more involved with what's going on. I guess I don't know. Yeah. All right. One other thing I want to hit: Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, in NC State. Won't let Cal and Stanford into the ACC. Now, Notre Dame gets a vote in that conference, so there are 15 votes. Uh, Cal and Stanford need 12 yeses to get in. They only have 11. In Any surprise they're not getting into the ACC? Tremendous academic institutions. But, yeah, those, those schools are uh, – they're really far away from the other schools in the ACC. Really far away, and I. It doesn't seem like a good time right now to start splitting up the pie even more. I I don't I don't know how that breakdown would go and what exactly that would look like, but it's absolutely not a fit whatsoever. I still believe that they're going to be in the Big Ten, but you know I could be wrong about that. I think that. You just, they're probably slow playing it. And maybe there's been offers out there. Maybe there hasn't. But uh, the more, I, I, I guess, the more um, desperate Cal and Stanford get, the better of a deal the Big Ten can bring them in on. Yeah. I, my initial reaction to seeing all of these reports was they got 11 yes votes. Like, and I, I get it. Cal and Stanford are awesome schools. Right. They're awesome. But haven't we all figured out that this is this has very little to do with academics and everything to do with football and TV Fan money and how interested people are in your games? I, I don't think Cal and Stanford. I, I am. I'm not a television expert. I don't think that's those schools move the needle much. No. Right. I, I've never found myself going, oh. Can't wait to watch Stanford today. No. I, especially with how much they struggled to, lately. There was a time whenever they were, you know, they were really good defensively. They've had a couple of times when they've had superstar players where they've been fun to watch, but gosh, it feels like it's been a long time since they've been in that, you know, that that type of uh, position. Yeah. And the other thing, I was going, that makes no sense geographically. And it was just a reminder, oh, yeah, USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington are going to be in the Big Ten. I was like, oh, yeah, geography doesn't matter anymore. Uh, who cares? Well, I mean, at least they're going as a group of four that yeah. are in some decent proximity to one another, which I wouldn't – I mean, it feels like USC and Washington are close, but they're they're really far away, actually. So um, – but still – I mean, that to me is still why I think Cal and Stanford to the Big Ten, it, it it makes sense that geographically you still have that group all out there kind of together on the West West Coast. I don't know how they would divide it all up between the Big Ten, but I don't know. Yeah, and then the four, the four schools voting no, especially like Florida State's been very vocal that they're not happy. You was there a no or was there a hell no? Uh, it, I <laughs> I'm interested in the reasoning for Florida State because they want this grant of rights to fall apart, right? 
they they've made it very clear they want don't want to keep falling behind right as compared to the Big 10 in the SEC and you know they're assuming if they can get out they can go make a lot more money elsewhere right but it them voting no it makes me think the lawyers have for for all of these schools have taken a long hard look at that grant of rights and gone um I don't think adding schools gives us any more wiggle room to get out of it. Well, I which feel is interesting. Like at one point, and I never saw it, but I just remember hearing this that and this was the Big 12, not to say that theirs is the same as the ACC's, but that if the Big 12 were to negotiate and try to add teams, like essentially the grant of rights as it's written is no longer together. Now, I don't know how truthful that was, but you know, it doesn't seem like that's the case for the ACC at all. If they're, if they're doing that, they would know Florida state would bail, but it's just interesting. Like I'm with you. I don't know what, what is in there and why they would vote the way that they did. Fascinating. Yeah. If adding teams, shredded it you know tore up the greater rights florida state would have been the fastest yes yeah but they're one of the no's so i would have been sending the invitations under the table to just random schools <laughs> yeah okay no all right let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend but first Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order on a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and control your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too if your business wants to be best in class. Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Baker Mayfield. Ooh, he looked good. He Efficiency. Looked good. Efficient, eight of nine for 63. Had a really nice touchdown pass to that back corner of the end zone. You know, I, I kind of approached this, and I'm sure a lot of people feel, feel the same way about it, like, if he doesn't win this starting job over Kyle Trask, I, it may be his last real opportunity for a starting role in the NFL. Um, and I think he went a long way in doing that. I know it's one preseason game, but Trask, 6 of 10, had the interception, didn't look nearly as good as Baker Mayfield. Didn't uh, look mobile either. Trask, yeah, yeah he looked he looked a little slow-footed to me. And he took a couple sacks. You know, it's kind of hard to tell, but he he didn't look sharp to me. Now, I'm... I'm also very pro Baker in the whole thing. 
I mean, right. let's, let's be and real. I don't, and who knows what the rotation was on the offensive and de- uh, offensive right. line and receivers and all that stuff. But all of that being said, Baker still looked really sharp. Um, you know, I, I guess Trask is going to get the next start is, is what they said. They're going to rotate. That, that was the plan, right, that they came in to the preseason with that Baker was going to start the first, Trask was going to start the second. There's, there's just no doubt, though, that Baker's – Baker's in the lead in that race right now. It looks good. Do you agree with that? You think this is kind of his last opportunity to get a, a starting gig? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I think that's why he's in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I, I think he may have been able to even get more money and be a backup somewhere else. Yeah. I think I think he went to Tampa because they were going to give him a legitimate chance to, to start at quarterback. And if you're Tampa, like, hey, if, Baker looks great, then you're feeling really good about it. And if it goes poorly, then there are a couple of really, really good quarterbacks in the next draft. Yep. I agree. Looking good for Baker. Still got some really nice weapons to throw to. Oh, yeah. Uh, not sure about his offensive line, but pulling for him. Did you see that picture of him in the locker room? Yes. He's just like looking back at the camera. I was like, is the swag back? Is he back? <laughs> he may be back. Uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, it's, he's. I don't know that there's a. Like, he's one of the most entertaining players to watch when he's got it going. That's, and, and obviously the relationship we have with him, the OU connection, right? That that certainly skews our whole view on this entire thing. But the NFL is more fun when he's playing, man. It just is. Yep. The key, it's yes, it's about the football, it's about winning the line scrimmage, but it's it's entertainment. And he is, as a player and as a person, like he's just wildly entertaining. I think I think the NFL is a more entertaining product when he's playing and playing well. So I love that's the my NFL. hope. I, I think the NFL is excellent. I think the product is is is, is really good. But every it's it, there's it's such a big business and the pressure to perform and the pressure to win is so intense and the the size of the contracts is so big that it's really sanitized a lot of the game of of like personality if that makes sense and when baker's out there you and he's performing well and has it going on you get a sense that that personality is there in the league a little bit more yeah no i agree all right, who is your loser of the weekend? Now, I continue. I'm I'm getting stronger and stronger behind this. Um, Georgia. And I'll tell you why. Stetson Bennett goes out and looks pretty daggum good in a preseason game with the Rams. Uh, 191 yards, had a really nice touchdown pass. And I know everyone in Georgia still considers him to be just a guy and, you know, just some junior college transfer, no big deal, won two national championships for him. They couldn't replace him. But Georgia's going to replace a quarterback easy. It's no big deal, even though there's no history of them doing it at all. And Alabama is in serious trouble because they've got to replace a quarterback, even though they've done exactly that like five or six times in a row and continue to have success. But Georgia, it's just going to be seamless. 
no problem offensively. We're ne- next quarterback, next man up. I did, I did college sports radio on SiriusXM with Jacob Hester on Friday, and we had Aaron Murray, uh, the former Georgia quarterback, on. He essentially makes it sound like Carson Beck can walk on water. Hmm. We'll see. He said, and remember, Aaron's got. I think he still has like all the SEC passing records. We're the same age. He basically said Carson Beck is like, it's not even close the most talented guy they've had since Stafford. Hmm. So, and he, I, I basically asked him, Hey, what are, what are the holes on this team? He was like, they don't have holes. I was like, okay, awesome. <laughs> Talk. He, he was, I mean, just raving about the wide receiving core made it sound like Carson Beck is going to be the absolute truth. There's some questions at running back, but he's like, Hey, it, it doesn't matter. They got four guys that, you know, can get it done. They may not have a superstar like they've had here recently, but he's like, yeah, no issues. Offensive line supposed to be absolute, maybe the best in the country. I'm not I think buying George it. is going to be fine, man. I'm not buying it. Okay. I like I'm it. I'm not buying it. You know, I, they're going to have to prove it to me. I think they're, I think their schedule's actually bad for them, even though it's easy. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for them. And hey, I'm I'm more than willing to be proven wrong by the Beck kid at Georgia who could walk on water. But in my experience, that has not been the case there. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I, it would be, it would bring a little more intrigue to college football if Georgia lost yeah. a game or two this season. Yeah, you know, let's spice it up a little bit. Let's spice it up. Three in a row is. It's boring. It's boring. And there's does anyone uh, other than Georgia fans, does anyone want to see Georgia go three in a row? I don't know. No, it's boring. What if your, what if your options are Georgia goes three in a row or Alabama wins the title? What, what, what do people say about that? I I don't, now that OU is going to be the sec, is there a good option between those choices? I don't know. Tennessee. I don't even know if that's a good option. Uh, LSU. I don't know if that's a good option. I. We're just. It's just going to be a different Let's world. Let's go, man. Ohio State. Let's go. Come on, Buckeyes. <laughs> or hey, you know, you never know what could happen with the Sooners. Yeah. No, we right. we we're we're gonna have to see a little bit. We'll cross that road if we get there, right? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to see a little bit after what we went through a year ago. All right, let's get to my winner and loser, but first. John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family-owned and operated, they have nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program, and here's how it works. You can buy a new or used car from them. Then all you have to do is get all of the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free 
with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Come on, people. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Johnny Manziel. Ah. There's a lot of Manziel uh, content right now, right? Netflix documentary about him. Just a lot of discussion. Uh, Some of the stories in there are great. Not a documentary with what I would call a happy ending. (laughs) Just kind of like, yeah, nothing's really changed about the guy. And I don't know. Did you watch it? Have you watched it yet? I have. Yeah. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. And you know what I kind of came away with? Uh, And I don't know that this is necessarily good or bad. It's that Manziel never really wanted to be a famous football player. He just wanted to party. And he happened to beat Alabama and get thrown into the national spotlight. And it's like my, my, uh, the the gig is up here. Everyone knows what what's what's going on. I'm you know I just want to have fun. I'm not into studying football and becoming the best player in the world. I just want to go out there, have fun, wing it. If we win, we win. What was it? If we if we win, we party. If we lose, we party. There was some oh yeah nice way of stating it, but that's kind of what I took away. It's like he never really wanted that spot. He he's a different guy, right? And so I. I was his second year in Cleveland. I was there for a week. And he was the last guy in the building. But he he was so nice and so fun to be around. And he just he had a great personality, but I had never seen I just had never seen a quarterback not care. And to his credit, him being a nice dude, he invited me to go out every night I was there. <laughs> He was, and he was great. He was he was really nice, but it was, and this is something a lot of people don't realize when it comes to, because a lot of people want to blame the Cleveland Browns. Like if he would have gone somewhere else, it would have been different, right? Mm-hmm. You got to realize the guy, when that week I was there, the guys on that offense with him, Josh McCown, who is one of the toughest and best just Men, like one of the best leaders I've ever been around. The guy is just a leader of men. Super experienced, been in the game forever. Forever. Great. He's in the quarterback guy. room with Johnny. Yeah. Can't get him to care. You look at that offensive line. Joe Thomas, Hall of Famer. Alex Mack, future Hall of Famer, I think. Mitchell Schwartz is the right tackle. Guy who was just a relentless preparer. Ends up being an all-pro once he made it to Kansas City. Like Andrew Hawkins was one of the wide receivers on that team. He's like one of the coolest and nicest and best leaders I've ever been around. You know who was in OTAs with him? Brian Hartline. Like the dude was surrounded, surrounded on that offense by some of the best players and best leaders I came across in my football career. And none of those guys could give get him to give a shit. And they tried. I've talked to Joe about it. Like they tried. The one week I was there, we won. We went into the locker or we went into the equipment room after the game. It took a bunch of tequila shots. That's a true story. 
<laughs> he was I mean, a great it's... time, man, but he just he did not give a flip about anything, man. It was sabotage. It, it's it would be a lot easier on me if I wasn't here. So I'm just going to do the bare minimum or less until they get rid of me. Yeah. I if you haven't watched, I don't want to tell all the stories that are in it because go watch yeah. it. I'm I'm hoping my man Manzel gets a cut of however many times it gets watched. I don't know how that works. I'm but sure he does, right? I, sure so he... go watch it. If you don't watch it with your kids. <laughs> the the pro day stories, that is oh those are awesome. Pro day um, combine. Combine. Yeah, we're the same age. Signing like the the NCAA thing and one more story. <laughs> one more story. When they when we played each other in the Cotton Bowl, right? The year you won the Heisman. It was I can't remember the date of the game. It was like the third or fourth or something. But New Year's, we spent New Year's in Dallas, like and we all went out and stuff. And one of the guys from A and M told me that like hotel security had to wrangle Manzel. He was running around their team hotel, completely naked. Yeah. Just I, gone. Just I, obliterated. I heard the same exact story. Um, it's got to be true. Schmitty I, told me. I never asked him about it, but I, there's zero doubt after watching the documentary. It's got to be true. Yeah. Because you guys stayed at the... Um, we were way Gaylord. far away. You yeah. stayed at the Gaylord, right? Yep. I, I I think I stayed there like the night before the game, and whenever I got there, I was talking to Schmidt and he was telling me the story about yeah. it. Yeah. I heard it from like three different guys on the AM's team. So I just, but then a couple of nights later, we all saw what he did to that to our defense. Dude, that's like one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. It was amazing. He didn't miss, it didn't have an incompletion in the second half. The only one he hit his receiver in the face mask with the ball after scrambling around for like 30 seconds. And, and I dropped it. And he did all that. He probably didn't watch a single snap of our defense get ready. For the no, game. I, well, other than whatever, maybe his eyes happened to be open in the in the film room, but he didn't watch any on his own. Yeah. Oh, what an amazing it's talent! Like, it's it's almost like the water boy. Remember whenever Lawrence Taylor and they're doing the linebacker camp? It's like, so how do you do it? Well, when they snap the ball, I try and tackle that guy, and then if he hands it to someone else, then I go and try and tackle him. It's like Manziel. When they give me the ball, I throw it to the open guy, or I go try and run. Which brings me to my next point. Don't smoke crack. <laughs> Holds up. <laughs> All right. My winner of the week, though, I'm going Michigan. A lot of hype around the Wolverines this season. Number two uh, in the preseason poll. Right, They beat the hell out of Ohio State two years in a row. Been to the playoff. Uh, some people think this may be the year. Hey, they take the next step playing the title game. But there is a question mark, right? Because Jim Harbaugh was going to be suspended for the first four games because of the NCAA investigation to him not being completely truthful with the investigators. How is that going to affect the team? Well, don't have to worry about it anymore, apparently, because Dan Wetzel from Yahoo said that that suspension, whatever deal was there, is off. And that that, that case is going to go to the NCAA committee on infractions and will likely be dealt with next year. So, Harbaugh, all the expectations, all the hype for this Wolverines team going into the season, going to be there to coach every single game. I feels like a win for the Wolverines to me. So in court, uh, 
uh, Harbaugh and Michigan stood up and tore up the plea deal with the uh, with the prosecution, and we'll see you guys in court. Yeah, I, I, I don't it. exactly know how it went down. Didn't see that uh, in the report, but yeah, there is an <laughs> absolutely hilarious quote from. And listen to this title: NCAA Vice President of Hearing Operations, Derek Crawford. Quote. The Michigan infractions case is related to impermissible on and off campus recruiting during the COVID-19 period and impermissible coaching activities, not a cheeseburger. That's a real quote. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I Is the cheeseburger, the impermissible off campus recruiting. It's, I, that's what it is. Yeah, there is so, a, a cheeseburger is involved, Derek. Sorry, Derek. Uh, you're wrong. You're wrong. Mama's right. <laughs> now I've just got the water boy in my head. But it would be quite the baller move for Harbaugh if he took Michigan to a national title and then took an NFL job. And he was like, hey, I'll see those NCAA sections later. See you, boys. I'm out of here. That would be awesome. I, Hey, delay, stall, do whatever you got to do. All right. If this is the year, go out there, get it done, and uh, we'll deal with that later. Yeah. Do That's not cooperate. Cool. That's all I know. All right, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Bryce Young. I watched every snap he played in their preseason game against the Jets. He didn't play a ton of snaps, but the dude got blasted like four times. Yeah. And I saw some quotes from the Panthers offensive line after the game. They, It sounded like they had to come to Jesus meeting after the game. And... It, because it was it was not good, and all we got to do is wait till Tuesday night. We get to see it on Hard Knocks. Let's go! I can't wait for that. It's gonna be can't fantastic. Wait. I saw someone posted a, like a clip from practice one day, and it said said pray for Bryce Young because like he drops back to pass and has to do, like all four offensive linemen lose, and he's like dodging guys back there. It's gonna be tough. There were uh, durability concerns, right, because of the size? That is not a good combination. Yeah, well, he popped up every time against the Jets. Man, that Jets defensive line. Whew. Yeah, wait Ooh, till buddy. that happens uh, four weeks in a row in the preseason, and then they're like, okay, here's game one of 17. <laughs> good luck. Hammered for four weeks. Yeah, they uh, they need to get some stuff figured out. There's no doubt about it. He can't. I mean, because a couple of them were. He just got blasted, dude. So they'll uh, they'll go back to the drawing board. I assume try to try to iron out some of those wrinkles. All right, but my loser of the weekend. I didn't know whether to go with the 76ers or James Harden, but I'm going to go Harden because remember he he is a little. How about a little NBA news in August? That's I I love, I love the NBA, That's but. Cool. I'm just very intrigued by this storyline because Harden told the 76ers like, Hey, I want to be traded and I want you to trade me to the Clippers. Well, over the weekend, the 76ers was like, yeah, yeah, we've, we've tried to find somewhere to send you. Uh, we're certainly not sending you to the Clippers. Uh, no, none of this really makes sense for us. So, Hey, we'll see you at training camp, bud. And I guess people in Harden's camp are saying he has no interest and being in training camp with the 76ers, like he wants to be traded. I just love me some NBA drama. Like, I Is he going to show up or not? Is he going to be? Because what is that? That's like next month. 
late next month. Like the NBA season's right around the corner. Also, is he going to show up at like 300 pounds like he did back in Houston? Remember that whole thing? I don't know. I just find it. I find it incredibly intriguing when a star player says, I want to be traded. And then the team goes, how about not? If I'm Philly, I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. We'll just like send him a letter telling him when training camp starts and like dot all the uh, I's and cross our T's in that regard. And we'll just find him all the way through the season and financially could end up being a pretty lucrative deal for us. Yeah. I Daryl Morey is a guy that, and that's the frustrating part, right? Is because Morey did everything for Harden in Houston. Like built the whole thing around him and just I don't know. I'm excited to see where this goes because it doesn't seem like it's gonna end well. No. And how could it? Harden has I mean as much money as he's made, I it doesn't seem like he's been really dialed in for quite some time, right? They had a couple of runs there at Houston where he was trying to win a championship. And then it was like, okay, I tried. They're going to pay me $50 million no matter what I do. So I'll just kind of hang out at strip clubs and eat wings and not really care. And in his defense, it really hasn't affected the bottom line at all. <laughs> you know, he's still making an absolute ton of money and – I, I, it's just going to take a team just to say, I, okay, he's not at training camp. All right, we'll just continue to find him, take it out of his pay, and, you know, whatever. No, don't even try to contact him or negotiate or anything. Just keep finding him. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, for one, am shocked that a guy that has forced his way out the last two places he's been is doing it again. Stunning. Stunning turn of events. Well, they there's been so many teams that have have folded in these negotiations that there's there's no fear for any of these players contract wise to like to not like basically operate as if they, they don't have a contract, you know? Yeah, and I don't know what their rules are for finding those guys for not showing up through training camp or or like weigh-ins and all of that stuff. I know in the NFL it can get absolutely detrimental very very quickly for guys if they want to hold you to that, but they typically don't. They want to work something out. I think my last year, and I never had it. I was never a guy that got fined for being over being under weight wise. I was always I was I did not make enough money to not make weight. But I think my last year, it was $550 per pound per day. Per day, yep. So if you were three pounds over, that was a $1,500 fine and, and some, you know, and some change, right? And then if you didn't make weight the next day, it was the same fine. Just kept going. Well, when I was in Detroit, Sean Rogers was there. Oh boy. Large man. They wanted him at like 360. And I think he showed up at like 385 or 390. 
and we all were like putting pin to pad on it and it's like oh my god like what i don't think they find him the full amount but i think they find him like you can find like the first way in if you miss it i think there's like an initial fine and then it's like the per per way in fine it's like oh my god that's incredible like i don't know what the nba's standard is though that'd be hilarious if Harden like loses all of his salary this season off weight fines. Weight fines. And, I don't even and, know if that's a thing in the NBA, but it'd be hilarious could, if it was. But they could find him for that, find him for every meeting he misses, every workout he misses. Like it could be I know he's gonna get forty five million, but they could chew into that that weekly check pretty decently. Yeah. Oh yeah. And on that note, episode three hundred and forty four in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Another night.